All right. Well, we're going to begin this morning with uh, an illustration. And uh, I have used this illustration before, um, but I hope that it will, will work. Would you mind passing those out in this section? And if you'll pass those out here, and we, they can take more than one if they want. Just, you can just pass, pass it through as we go along here. This passage of scripture is one that has become life-defining for me. It is filled with incredible promises from the Lord. And I want to encourage you that perhaps far more important than listening to this message, spend time this week meditating on Isaiah chapter 43, maybe at least the first 10 verses. Look at the promises, the things that God says in there, because they apply to you and they apply to me. Now, what we're going to do today is I'm going to use this little illustration, and I'm actually preaching a message that I, that I preached at camp to our youth. And so, youth, I apologize. You have to hear it twice. You can tell me which one went better. I probably had a little more energy at camp because I was on caffeine or something. I don't know. But we'll, we'll try to make it work. But what I want you to do is take this puzzle piece, and I want you to look at it. I want you to get to know its shape, its form, its coloring, what it's like, because this piece of a puzzle represents your life. It is who you are. Now, here's what I want you to do, is think about this piece of a puzzle uh, being you, and what does the world say about us? The culture around us, what is, what is it that we hear as a message all the time? What we hear is that you and I are supposed to be the most successful puzzle piece we could possibly be. We're supposed to be the most beautiful puzzle piece that we could ever be. We're supposed to be the most shapely puzzle piece. Everything about us, the messages of the world's sins, are about us as an individual, as one, standing out in comparison to every other piece, right? That's the message that you hear. But there's a problem with that. If, if I am a piece of a puzzle, does it really matter how beautiful I am? I mean, that's nice that I, I mean, this particular one that I picked out is actually is a lot like my personality. It's solid blue. So um, it looks a lot like the clothes that I wear almost every day. So, you know, that's, that's who I am, I guess. I didn't even, I had more pieces, but somebody took them. <laughs> I'm crushed. Oh, there it is. Okay. This one's a little more impressive. Okay, it actually has some color on it. But we have a tendency to compare ourselves to one another, right? But there's one huge thing that's missing in the message of the world. If we look at ourselves like a puzzle piece, a piece of a puzzle is supposed to be part of a much greater picture. That's what's missing in the message of the world. If I only listen to what the culture around me is saying, and I try to be successful and find comfort and be the best that I can be, I will miss out on the very thing I'm made for, which is to be part of something far, far greater. Something that God has designed and chosen you and I to have an absolutely unique role in. That's the beauty of a puzzle piece is that every piece is distinct. Every piece is different. It has a different shape. It has different coloring. 
Everything about it is unique. It's designed with, to, to fit in a slightly different place than others are, just like us. Well, with that background in mind, I want you to, to look at this passage of Scripture, and I want to point out a few truths before we celebrate communion together today. And we're going to look at part of this this week, and then we're going to finish it up next week. But I want to show you some of the things that God says in this passage, and then connect it back to this little illustration of a puzzle piece. Now, the first truth, there's going to be several truths that I want to encourage us to live not just to remember and acknowledge, but to live, to put them into action in our life. And the first one is this, God is calling you. Each and every one of us here, God is calling, his Holy Spirit is prompting your heart and my heart right now, and he's saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me with your life. I want you to trust me with your future, with your plans, with your relationships, with everything about you. Everything that is unique and distinct because I know you better than you know yourself. Now this passage in Isaiah chapter 43 begins with some of the most powerful words you can ever find anywhere in the scripture, but now. The reason that's so powerful is because the chapters that lead up to this all talk about the rebellion of God's people how they had turned away, how they were sinning, how they were rejecting what God had told them to do. In chapter 42, he says that their purpose was to display the greatness and beauty of God's law, of his commands. And instead of doing that, Israel had become spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. They rebelled against God. Well, here's some hope in the midst of that. Because no matter where you are, no matter how far you may have strayed from God, how much you've rebelled against what you know is right and what you know he is calling you to do and to be, there is a but God. He steps in with incredible news. This is what the gospel means. It is good news that he steps in. He says, I'm not going to leave you there. Here's the truth to hang on to. God will meet you wherever you are. Right now, whatever you're going through, no matter how bad you've messed up, he will meet you right there, right now. But that's not the end of it. He will not leave you there either. Now that's the challenge to some degree because honestly, inside of us, we want God to meet us where we are. We want him to embrace us and cleanse us and forgive us but we're often a little reluctant to allow him to change us. And yet the changes that God wants to make in your life and my life are for our very best and for his honor. So we need to remember this truth and begin to live it. God will meet you right where you are, but he will not leave you there. He is calling you. He is calling me. This is what he did with Israel. He says this in Isaiah 42, verse 16, which leads up to it. I will lead the blind in the way that they do not know, in paths that have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do. I do not forsake them. God says, if you'll trust me, my plan for your life, you'll discover 
is incredibly beautiful and immeasurably good. But we have to trust him. We have to respond to him calling us to himself. There's a, there's a saying I've shared many, many times in this church, and I keep sharing it because I want you to remember it. It's one that is imprinted on my heart and life because of a dear friend who was my mentor and pastor, and he, his name was Rick Ferguson, and he always said this, if we knew what God knows, we would always want what God wants. If we knew what God knows, we would always want what God wants. That's the truth we're to live because he does have a great and wonderful plan for us. And, and what he does when he says, but now, God's saying, I'm stepping into your story. I'm stepping into your life, into your mess, into your problems, and I have a solution. A solution you can't earn, you can't be good enough. In fact, later on in Isaiah 43, verse 25, he makes it very, very clear the resource that, res that will result in change in your life and my life and salvation. And it's, he says this, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isn't that a great promise from God? Here's, here's the thing. I go to the Lord and I confess my sins and I know he forgives me because I believe the truth of the scripture that if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and then I sin again and I think how could he possibly forgive me when I did it again when the very thing I confess just days or sometimes moments before I find myself doing again. And yet God in his incredible grace says, I've blotted it out. You're coming to me because I love you and I'm not doing it because you earned it, because you can't earn it. I'm doing it because that's who I am. That's the love that I have. That is God's heart for us. That is the one who is calling us. So let's see what God has to say about you and I. Because this is what is so important here. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, we see God's heart for you and for me. Here's what God thinks about you. We often wonder that, if we're honest. We're really wanting to know, God, what do you think of me? Because we compare ourselves to one another. But you and I are unique. Here's what he says. Now, he addresses this first to Jacob and to Israel, but it, is, it applies to every single person who is called by his name. He says this, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not. That's the first promise we need to remember. The first thing that God says is, in the midst of us messing everything up in rebellion, he says, don't be afraid. Isn't that great news? A holy God who is absolutely perfect who's never sinned, who's never done anything wrong, says to us, don't be afraid. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have bought you back from where you are. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You see, God is calling you. He knows your name. He knows everything about you, and he desires you. 
is incredible. The second truth, not only is God calling us, but God says that you and I are his masterpiece. For those of you who have been at ICP for a while, you'll know that's a phrase that we use a lot. We did a whole series on restoring the masterpiece, looking at what God says in his word about what he wants to do in and, our, in and through our lives to make us more like Jesus Christ. He says that you and I are his masterpiece. The piece of puzzle that you hold is part of a beautiful picture. Now, you're only holding a little piece, but it happens to be a picture of Charles Bridge at night. It's beautiful. I mean, there's, is there any more beautiful sight at sunset in Prague than Charles Bridge? You know, and then the castle's in the background, and I mean, it's just gorgeous. It's a masterpiece that God puts on display with the colors at, at sunset, and it's a reminder of the incredible artistry of God. Well, you're part of an even more beautiful picture, a more majestic masterpiece. In fact, God in his word wants us to know that we were handcrafted by God for greatness. Look at verse 7. Verse 1 talks about Jacob and Israel, and then verse 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Okay, now, how many people are included in everyone? Very, very good. Your math is really excellent today. So everyone, so, so are you part of everyone? Okay, so this is written to who? To you, right? To me. Everyone who is called by my name, and he says, these are the things I did. I created you for my glory, whom I formed and I made. Now, we read that and we think it's just, he's just repeating things. It's kind of like, you know, in a song where you're saying the same thing two or three different ways. But each of these words in the original language in Hebrew is unique and distinct. The first one where he says created, it's the same word. It's the word in, in the original language, bara. It's the word he used to create everything. It means spoken to existence. The same way that he made um, the moon and the sun and the earth and the plants and everything else, they're created. But then it goes a little more intimate. He says, whom I formed. And this is actually the word that we find in Genesis that God uses when he formed Adam and Eve. And the scripture tells us in Genesis that he did that with his own hands. That out of the dust of the earth, he formed them. So it's not just that he spoke it into creation like everything else. It's more personal. It's handcrafted. But then the third word, the word um, in the original language is asa, but here it says, and made means completed, to be, to be brought and completed into the person he created you to be. That's his promise. He says, not only did I create you, I handcrafted you, and I am continuing to make you into who I designed for you to be and who I saved you to become. That's the work of Jesus Christ in the new creation. His, his um, redemption of us is to remake us and to make us like Jesus Christ. So he's saying, I'm going to make you complete. The New Testament picks up on the same theme, speaking about Jesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. And that word workmanship 
is, it's the original language, it's the word poema, and it means masterpiece, a work of art, something beautifully designed. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God says, you and I are a masterpiece. Now, I want you to take that truth and compare it to what you think about yourself. When you think about your own life, what are the thoughts that come into mind? What are the messages that you are hearing? Chances are you're hearing messages of you're not good enough. You don't measure up compared to this person or that person who is so much more successful, at least in your eyes, you think, I just don't cut it. But that's not what God is saying about you. Now, yes, none of us deserve what God gives us. None of us can earn it. But God, out of his incredible heart of love, says you are the desire of my heart and you are a masterpiece. So quit comparing and contrasting yourself with others and live by the truth of who I say you are. Every one of these pieces of a puzzle is unique because they have a unique purpose. But everyone is necessary and everyone is beautiful. And the same is true about you and I. We are a masterpiece, but we are not our own masterpiece. You see, the message of the world is be the best you can be compared to everyone else because it's all about you. But the message of the scripture is God loves you so much he has invited you into his story to be a significant, beautiful part of what he is doing and to display the beauty of his greatness. It is a far higher calling. You are a masterpiece, but you are not your own. That's why we see in the scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Therefore, or excuse me, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Oswald Chambers, in making a commentary on this verse says, a missionary is someone in whom the Holy Spirit has brought about the realization that you are not your own. I would say that is actually the definition of a real Christ follower, missionary or not, whether we utilize that title. When we truly follow Christ, we come to the realization, I am not my own, and the happiness, the joy that I really want is found in placing all that I am back in the hands of the one who made me. And say, Lord, use it for your purpose, for your plan. That's where we find incredible joy. You are a masterpiece. Thirdly, we need to recognize that we are made for something bigger than ourselves. And, and the way I like to put this, and the way I want you to remember it, is simply this. You and I have a God-sized purpose. You may look at your life and you may think your purpose is, well, I'm an accountant or I'm a teacher. Those are wonderful careers, great things to do. It's not your purpose. You may look at your life and define it by your relationships. You may, like me, say, I'm a father and a grandfather. Those are incredible gifts, but it's not my purpose. 
you and I have a God-sized purpose. That's what he told us in verse 7. We are created for his glory, which simply means this. We are created to display the wonder and beauty of who God is. God could have chosen all kinds of different ways to reveal himself. He revealed himself through creation. He revealed himself through his word and through the law that is both written um, in the scriptures and written on the heart of our conscience where we have an idea of what is right and what is wrong. He further most intimately revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ, who came to make, as we looked at last week, to make the Father known. But now he calls you and I and say, here's your purpose. Your purpose is to know me, to enjoy me, and to make me known. That's how we show the greatness of who God is. We were created to do amazing, incredible things. Maybe not things that the world looks at and goes, oh, that's super impressive. You go. But things that matter for eternity. Israel had blown it with their mission. He says it back in chapter 42 of Isaiah. Their, their mission was to make God's law glorious to the nations around them by showing how beautiful it is to live for God according to his word. But they failed. But Jesus Christ came and did it. He lived perfectly, sinlessly. And here's the thing. People were drawn to him. People that would never have set their foot inside the temple were drawn to Jesus because there was something about his grace, his authenticity that drew them just like a magnet. That's who we are to be. We are to display that Jesus Christ, the real Jesus Christ, in and through our lives by loving others as Christ has loved us. That's the greatness of our purpose. And God has chosen us to make an incredible difference in this world. We are created for his glory to show the greatness of who he is. Now let's see just a couple more things before, before I wrap it up today about what God says about you and I because it's important to, to hold on to this. He gives us some great instruction in there where he, he gives us promises that when we go through trials and difficulties, when we feel like the waters are, are rising up, like the, the peoples both of Southeast Asia and the peoples of Texas saw last week and those who are being lashed by the storms in Cuba and in Florida are experiencing today when it feels like the waters rise up, he says, I will be with you and it will not overwhelm you. He's saying the trials that you go through, the difficulties, the fires we face, you're not alone because I'm with you. He gives us that promise. But then he says this about you and I personally in verse four. He says, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Is there any message that you could hear from the God of the universe that is more powerful than that, than him personally saying to you, you are precious to me. Not only precious, not only do I care about you, but I'm choosing to honor you. You're someone that I lift up and say, that is one I love. That's what the God of the universe says about you and I. That's what he's offering us, but he asks us to respond to him in faith and trust Jesus Christ and what he has done for us.
precious, honored, loved. Let me wrap this back up and we'll, we'll pick up some things next week. But every piece of a puzzle has a unique shape, right? That's what makes having a puzzle be interesting. Every piece is different. It's distinct. It has a, a unique place where it goes within the picture. The same is true about you. Next week as we celebrate or as we have the, the ministry fair, part of that is to help you find ways that you connect with others which is another part that's beautiful about a puzzle piece because they're made to be connected. If you just put it out by itself, it really isn't very interesting and it kind of gets lost. But it's made to go in a specific place within the puzzle. You are made for a specific part and role within God's body and you're made to be connected with other people. And so we want to encourage you to, to discover more opportunities that you can connect, get connected with small groups, get connected with ministries, and find out how incredibly needed you really are. Because every role, every position is incredibly important within the body of Christ. We've been talking about doing this um, for a little while, and we just haven't had the opportunity to do it. Let me show you exactly what it's like if we don't have the people that are right back there Anyway, if, I, if there's no microphone, you can't hear me. If there's no sound, if there's no visuals, they're a vital part of the body. <laughs> there you go. See? All right. Because I spent most of my early ministry um, behind the scenes doing the very things that these guys do, my heart really goes, goes back to them. And we have an incredible, incredible team back there. They're much different than the team that I had in Colorado because in... in <laughs> Your church in Colorado, they used to throw things at me from the balcony. So um, I'm really thankful that, it, like Nerf darts and stuff, it was, I did, <laughs> bad story. I did this one sermon on obedience and I had a balance beam that I built out from the pulpit because, you know, I like visuals. And so I'm walking out on the balance beam and I'm doing my sermon and, they, and this was a, a room with no windows and they turned out all the lights. That was really not very nice. Um, but I love them anyway. So thank you guys for being so gracious to me. All right, back to this. Every piece has a unique shape. And so do you. And that shape is an acronym. We're going to unpack this a little more next week. But I just want you to, to get a taste of it. You, and the shape means the spirit, heart, aptitudes, personality, and experiences. These are things that are unique about you and I. The spirit begins with God calling your spirit. He wants to express himself uniquely through you in ways that are always consistent with his word. God is calling you to be who he created you to be. And he's calling you not just in your mind, but at the very depth of who you are. Because he cares about you. The heart is how the Word of God speaks to our will, the inner part of who we are, calling us to be united with Jesus Christ and be obedient to His voice. Those two callings work together in us becoming the person God designed for us to be. Then thirdly, God has given you a unique aptitude, not just abilities and skills, but he has planted things inside of you that he wants to use for, your, for his kingdom that you don't even know you have yet. 
There are things that will be revealed as you take steps of obedience where God is going to use who you are in beautiful, incredible ways for his kingdom. Empowered by his Holy Spirit, in alignment with his word, he wants to do great things through you. And it's not a comparison between you and someone else. It's his plan for you, his plan for me. Also, God has given you and I a unique personality. He created you to be who you are. And here's the thing. We need to to thank the Lord for that, that he made us who we are. The truth is we, we often spend so much time, if we're an introvert, wishing we were an extrovert. If we were an extrovert, wishing we were an introvert. Or we spend our time comparing those two to one another and, and wondering why are extroverts the way they are? I mean, could they ever be just like still? I mean, just for a moment, I say that as an introvert. Um, I love them. But, you know, we, we look at that. But God made us who we are, unique and distinct, but for his purpose. And then finally, the E is those experiences. The journey you have walked, both trials and joys, are designed to display the greatness of God. He will not waste any step of your journey when you place yourself fully into his hands and say, Lord, I want to be a part of your picture, not my own. I want to display your greatness, not my own. We'll look at that more next week, but we're going we're gonna to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And it's a picture of God's love for us. Ian's going to come in just, just a moment, and, and those who are serving will come then after that. And we're going to remember what God has done for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I, I know I only scratched the surface of it. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak into, into those gaps with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that, Lord, that you do a work in us. That you would change us. That you would enable us, Lord, to fully become who you created and saved us to be. And then, Lord, live lives in whatever we're called to do that shows the greatness and wonder of who you are. Lord, we want to see Jesus be exalted. And so we come humbly before you, thanking you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done for us. Visit us now as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together in Jesus' name.